Welcome everybody. This is your results and thoughts for AEW Revolution 2023 here on Tap Out Talk. I am your host, Ryan the Hype Ballard, back with it again. And we're going to discuss, I have been wanting to talk, and I've wanted to discuss, and I had to marinate, because great things take time sometimes, and that's why I'm getting this review out now. Just like this main event tonight with MJF and Brian Danielson, that took time, it marinated, it baked, and at the end of the day, we had an amazing meal to gobble up on this evening of the Sunday night. Join me, go ahead, we're going to go over some overall thoughts, where we're going to go in the future, on the brink of AEW Dynamite tonight, on Wednesday. But let's get our overall thoughts. Alright guys, welcome to the show, and we are going to go ahead and get started. So, we start out the show, everyone is banned from ringside, we got Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks feud that's been building up for a little while a little back and forth I remember at one point in time they wanted Ricky Starks to join the JAS the Jericho Appreciation Society uh, this matchup really showcased Ricky Starks really well tonight um, what I want to also talk about a little bit is the fact that you know I got it wrong at AEW Revolution there were some things that were wrong as well but from top to bottom, we'll talk about it. And uh, it's weird, right? Because I thought in my predictions, and I'll give you them as we go through the card here, but I thought that Chris Jericho was going to take this one. Jericho is the best locker room guy that you would want in a company and a veteran. I've made the point. Chris Jericho is to AEW what Hawk Hogan should have been to WCW. Not when it comes to creative, not when it comes to recognition, but when it comes to being a locker room leader and being a teacher and helping the young talent. And Chris Jericho has done that multiple times. You see your champion tonight, MJF. It all started with Jericho, if you think a few years ago when he started working with him and just polished one of the best main eventers in the business today. So enough about that. Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks. This is the another chapter of Jericho being that veteran locker room guy. So they both come out to the ring. Judas, in my mind, plays by Fozzie. Chris Jericho emerges. There's fireworks. There's pyro. Ricky Starks' theme hits. He gets a huge pop from the crowd. By the way, shout out to my boy Carlos. And shout out to that crowd that night. And I know he was probably the loudest one in that arena. But ultimately, that crowd helped make this pay-per-view. I can say that word again, pay-per-view, because we're watching AEW. And the Ocho did his job getting the crowd hot. The first match of any card is to get the crowd up and going and hot. And Chris Jericho, you want to hit his theme song, that's going to get the crowd going quick. So ultimately, this match goes back and forth. And I felt like it was a very good back and forth between these two. And it did a really good job of... Um, highlighting Ricky Starks so that's one of the things I think Jericho does a really good job at is he highlights guys he sees the talent it's like a highlighter on a piece of paper right you, the words are the talent and the highlighter just highlights their positives while hiding their negatives now not a big Ricky Starks guy myself I'm still getting used to him 
right? Um, I know a lot of you guys like him and you're just really over for him. I definitely think he is a strong guy you want on your card and a mid-card. And you know what, from my understanding, he's a heck of a worker behind the scenes. So, in this matchup, we get um, basically fans cheering and then absolutely Ricky Starks is um, in the offense driver's seat at the very beginning. Jericho takes over shortly after. He dumps Starks out into the floor, and then he turns and gives the San Francisco crowd the double bird, prompting louder boos from the fans. Uh, Jericho then settles into an offensive driver's seat, and then the absolute fans break out, and they chant, let's go, Ricky, let's go, Ricky, Y2J. And I imagine it was just extra, extra there. So, goes on later in the match. Uh, we see Starks come off the ropes with a Tornado DDT, and he slows down Jericho's momentum by buying him some much-needed time to recover. And then Jericho and Starks head to the top rope together, and Jericho looks for the top rope suplex. Starks fights out of it, drops down to Jericho with an inverted suplex. He leaps off afterwards, but Jericho catches him in his injured ribs on the way down with a big knee. Jericho hits the spot for a fall, uh, basically a near fall. Jericho fights back but runs into a bigger spear from Starks for a near fall of his own. Starks finishes this one moments later for the win, and that is the end. Ricky Starks does go on to win this matchup. So I want you guys to also think, you know, this was supposed to be a no-holes-bar match, or excuse me, a everyone banned from ringside match, right? Sammy Guevara comes down at some point and helps interfere in this matchup, right? And I think that that needs to carry over into future storylines uh, because I think there needs to be a, almost an authority figure needs to happen on AEW in order to enforce these kind of things. Right now, we got a little bit of the inmates running the asylum, right? Why not Tony Schiavone? Just going to throw that out there. Maybe he could be the advocate for Tony Khan, like what we've seen later on in this pay-per-view more often, right? So maybe that is one option. But anyway, let's go on to the next matchup. And next matchup we shall. It's No Holds Barred. Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Christian Cage. And this is definitely uh, one of the final matches. This is a hybrid between a Buried Alive match and a casket match. Up on the stage, they got a casket with um, some black drapes around it. A casket's in the middle. And there's a clear, you know, um, goes right to the bottom of the stage. Not as cool as the WWF back in the days with the whole actual Buried Alive match with the grass and the dirt, right? Uh, but this one will do. And I guess this is your final payoff feud. So this has been going on for a while. Christian Cage playing, I'm going to say, the manipulative bastard, right, to Jack Perry and Luchasaurus's friendship, which he actually successfully split them up. And it ended with a very good cage match between Jack Perry and Luchasaurus at the last show. But now we've got Christian Cage. And the final payoff here for this one. I love the evolution. This was just Jungle Boy, right? But Jungle Boy slowly, slowly is shedding that name. And now he's Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And I love the fact that we see the evolution of him. We got no Luchasaurus tonight, which I was surprised. So it's kind of, where is he? But I think this was just meant to be kind of about these guys. So at this point, um, Christian comes out. His theme hits, and he's wearing all black because, you know, they're trying to keep with the funeral theme, right? But he's wearing a black sleeveless turtleneck. That's basically kind of how I explain his tights. A black sleeveless turtleneck. And he pulled it off, and the fans seemed to like it. 
so then we also at that point uh, we get Jungle Boy Jack Perry's theme hitting it's always popular right and then after that we seem to get a little of uh, the bell sounds that we get a lot of brawl we get a lot of action they brawl through the sea of fans they go throughout the chase center that night again the fans are just crazy for the first three minutes of the bout and as the brawl continues they fight back over the barricade they go up on the entrance of the ramp near the casket and where that hole in the ground is up there i mentioned and where the burial must take place you got to bury somebody in this case and for it to be over jungle boy hits a big spot slamming the cage uh, christian cage hard on the ramp and then back they get back to the ring they do the 10 punch spot in the corner he also bites the face of um christian cage and then who eventually escapes and blasts jungle boy with a blatant low blow to shift the offensive momentum to himself we see christian stand on the long hair of jungle boy he yanks his arm back behind his back hard. He calls Jack Perry a loser as he continues to beat him down. And the fans try to rally behind him um, for the former Jurassic Express tag team member, right? The two fight over again. They go back up near the dirt slash grave slash, you know, casket. Um, Jungle Boy, Cage beats down Jungle Boy some more, slamming him into the casket. They repeatedly bash each other. And then he opens up the casket and he puts him inside. Um... And then before he can shut the lid, however, Jungle Boy starts fighting back. Cage uses some dirty tricks, including a handful of dirt in the eyes. Jungle Boy um, then goes to help. Uh, basically, at that point, we see Christian Cage setting a chair up under Jungle Boy's face. We see a lot of action back and forth. Um, we see some spots with a shovel at this point, right? And then Jungle Boy then puts a, um, on a snare, snap, a snare trap submission, I believe it's called. Finisher on Cage right next to the hole and he uses the shovel and basically at that point as his finisher and pulls back and grinds his teeth um cage's teeth that is as using the handle of the shovel uh he lays cage on uh face on the chair and then blasts him with another concerto of his own he then drags the lifeless cage over the casket puts him in slams the lid shut and then the casket and then he falls into the hole of the match and ends and jungle boy wins so uh, this was definitely the match that was meant to be um, kind of the follow-up, right? So you had more of a traditional match in that first match, and this one was that gimmick match. I think it did its job. I think it um, helped solidify Jack Perry, and I think Christian Cage did his job. And that's one way you get rid of him. So I think we don't see Christian for a while. He's buried, and he's away. Now, I want you guys to notice the theme right now tonight. You've got Ricky Starks winning, and you got Jungle Boy Jack Perry winning. Ricky Starks over Chris Jericho, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry over Christian Pitt Cage. A couple Americans beating the Canadians. No, I'm kidding. Actually, what you got tonight is you got the veterans in this pay-per-view putting over the young talent. That's a theme tonight. It's a theme I wasn't too sure was going to play out. I knew it would play out a little bit but i did not you know think it was going to play out so strong tonight but man that is the theme of the night and they always say sometimes you see that opening theme of the match and you're going to get the theme of the night up next we had a very good match with the aew trios championships the elite coming fresh out of that best of seven series with the death triangle 
amazing series. I loved watching it. It was fun. It spread over the shows in the winter months when wrestling gets a little dull. And at the end, we all, I think we kind of knew the elite were going to capture it and keep it. Their next challengers here now but tonight are going to be the House of Black. And we've had some storylines kind of go through here. Um, we get, you know, Omega out into the ring with the Young Bucks. And then we get the House of Black coming out next. Um, and then basically what we actually get is, you know, this match tonight, um, I thought the Elite were actually going to retain. I said no. They just came out of the Best of Seven series. It's too soon for them to lose that title. And they actually did. The House of Black pulled off the win and won these trio titles tonight. I'm going to say, um, honestly, I was a little shocked. And I feel like it's too soon to be changing the titles. I always hate hot potato in the titles, as you guys call it, right? So I really felt like with the titles being so new as they are, they should have stayed on the elite for a very long time. Um, we did get Don Callis on commentary here during this too, kind of beefing up the elite. I like that. I thought that added to it and added just a different spice to this trio's tag match. But um, I'm not mad at the House of Black winning, right? Aleister Black's come a long way. You got Buddy Matthews, who is one of the best wrestlers out on their roster. And then you got Brody King. Brody King is intriguing to me. Um, a lot of you guys know him from Ring of Honor days. I'm a little bit newer to him. I didn't watch as much, right? But I do, um, I'm intrigued by him. And for a big man, he's intriguing to watch and to move. So, um, in this match, right, things settle down the ring after the entrances and the lights come back on. And then, um, basically, again, like I said, Don Callis is joining Jim Ross, Escalibur, and Tony Schiavone on the call for this. And uh, the bell sounds and the fans are chanting, elite, elite, elite. We see Kenny and Buddy Matthews kick it off. I'm not going to try to break all this down for you guys because, frankly, there was so much that happened on there, and it was just kind of all over the place. And you're going to see that kind of a lot tonight, so I just want to give you my overall thoughts, too. Uh, but you get some good action and some offense with Brody King in there. Um, you get some multiple action uh, with all the men brawling. Omega eventually hits a V-trigger after the butts hit um, super kicks. And they kind of go back forth with these guys all through the match. Um, at this point, then, we do see some Omega taking it to Malachi Black. Um, I say Aleister Black earlier. I think I did. But uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, Malachi Black and um, the Young Bucks then, again, you know, they're kind of just going back and forth. And at the end of it, um, Omega loses these titles, right? They lose the titles. We have new trios champions. Don Callis is mad. He's throwing his headset in frustration. Jim Ross thanks the guys for having him before leaving. So Jim Ross, I guess that's, that's maybe it. Um, Tony Schiavone will take, again, his spot in the second half of this show, which I, I, it seemed like it went really quick. Um, I was kind of a bum that we wouldn't get Jim Ross to call the main event. It was a little, right? But, um, again, you know, Omega looking distraught. Don Callis looking mad. We'll see kind of what plays out of this afterwards. But your new champion is the House of Black. And I can't help, again, here's another theme, right? We got the younger guys kind of getting put over by some of these veterans of the ring. So three for three on that. Let's move on. All right, we got the AEW Women's Championship. Soraya, Bert, uh, which is known as Paige in WWE. We got Jamie Hayter, your world champion, your new world champion, right, from last time. And then you got Ruby Soho, a.k.a. Ruby Riot from WWE. 
trios match or triple threat match. Um, so we have all these ladies, and again, here's the theme of the night again: four for four. Jamie Hader remains your women's champion. Again, I gotta say, I'm intrigued, right? In this match, it was the right call. Um, there was a lot of buildup with Tony Storm and talk with Tony Storm kind of throughout this uh, pay-per-view pre-show build. But at the end of the day, yeah, Jamie Hader was the right one to go with. Jamie Hader, I feel, is kind of what Soraya or Paige was early in her career as far as over, right? Um, and it's interesting because the AEW is building a new young cornerstone here for the future. And I noticed that's been the shift ever since the... Um, you know, the uh, post-show with Punk and that blow-up, and they kind of shifted towards the AEW homegrown stars and shifted over towards, you know, let's kind of build our guys up, right, and have them beat these ex-WWE guys a little bit. So, um, again, you know, not a bad match. I thought they just went out there and kind of really gave it all. Um, you know, Soraya, and, we get a little bit of everything here with Ruby um, and Soraya and Hater, and they're just kind of all over, right? Um... Jamie Hayter again. Uh, Soho and Hayter start trading roll-ups. <coughs> until Hayter grabs a crucifix on Soho for the uh, pinfall victory. So that's how it kind of ended up. Um, with the win, Jamie Hayter retained the championship. And once the match wraps up, we see Tony Storm lay out Britt Baker and attack Jamie Hayter with Soraya. Uh, Baker broke things up as Soho was sitting in the corner watching this happen. Um, she launched Soraya and Storm to the floor saying they don't run the place. And then she held up Hater's hand and then only to lay her, uh, both her and Baker out with the no future. Soho took the spray paint, uh, sprayed the L on Baker and Hater as she officially aligned herself with Storm and Soraya. So it's interesting, right? Storm, Soraya, and Ruby, all ex WWE girls. And then you got Hater, Baker, you know, the uh, AEW Originals. And I don't know where this is going to lead to, but it's got to lead somewhere, right? So it'd be interesting to see who else gets added to the fold. You know, maybe is this where we see, you know, uh, a Jade Cargill kind of join as an AEW Original? You know, and maybe that's the route we go with her, right? Maybe we put her into kind of a six-woman tag, like a three-on-three -three tag situation. And maybe we get Jade introduced in this as representing AEW because she's that face of that TNT title, right? Or, so, um, TBS, I believe, title, sorry. Um, basically, at this point, um, you know, that maybe that's where this goes in the future. But I think Jade would probably do well to kind of work with these girls off to the side and not be in a direct one-on-one -on -one match and have a little bit of a distraction from those singles run that she's been having. Maybe it can even go where she takes the pinfall and takes her first pinfall since being a champion. Let's go on. Up next, we got the Texas Death Match. John Moxley versus Hangman Adam Page. All right, guys. So this one, you know, it's interesting, right? If you are a fan of Texas Death Matches, you're going to enjoy this. If you're not a fan of this style of wrestling... You're just simply not going to like it, okay? I've seen lots of debate in the community about it, back and forth. Uh, if you, I, I kind of wonder, is there a correlation? If you watched ECW back in the day, not the WWE version, 
ECW, where you had to almost trade videotapes back in the day to watch this stuff out of Philly, right? Uh, maybe, maybe you watched that. Tonight, this match would give you that ECW fix. John Moxley and Adam Hangman Page. And we get a deep uh, rooted package here, kind of recapping everything. And Adam Page, no, came out to a new theme song tonight. I was told it's a one and done. But we'll kind of see if that actually pans out to be true or not. But this matchup was all over. Um, this was a brawler. This was John Moxley, you know, kind of getting to do the matches that he wants to do in AEW, right? We get a lot of different stuff here. We get chairs, we get chains, we get all kinds of things, right? The winner ends up being Adam Hangman Page, right? Or Hangman Adam Page. Um, at the end, the finish, we see Mox counter with a buckshot lariat attempt by Page with a huge paradigm shift. He follows that up with a, honestly, he hits a Seth Rollins style um, curb stomp to Page slamming his head first into the brick that was there. And then as the action continues, however, it's Page who ends up tapping out to Mox and they go up two to one in this trilogy, right? So it was a good, good match, really great match. Um, also, you've seen a point where Hangman Adam Page actually hung somebody with the chains and the rope, and he actually had Moxley. It was a very vicious match. Mox was bleeding, I want to say, a couple minutes into the match, it felt like. I mean, he was, you know, bleeding profusely all over Crimson Mask style, right? And that was very old school. It was very pay-per-view-like, right? Um, it's not something I want to see weekly on Dynamite, but, man... It felt special, and I feel like this is where John Moxley does his best work sometimes. And I also want to say, um, bring up this point. You guys remember when John Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose at the time, fought Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Yeah, it's hard to remember because the match was not good, right? It happened years ago, and from what I gathered, there was, and what I heard, there was a lot of, you know items and things that John Moxley wanted to do against Brock Lesnar and Brock Lesnar refused to do all of it and he said no I don't want to do that no I don't want to do that and Moxley knew he was going to lose to Brock Lesnar but he wanted to pitch all these kind of extra things in this grudge match and what happened was he got to do nothing and I think that's why the match was not that good right and so ultimately I think that you know this is kind of like what John Moxley may have pitched in that Brock Lesnar mania match Imagine if he would have gotten to do those kind of things at WrestleMania. Can you guys think of when we had a good hardcore match at WrestleMania? I'm not talking the hardcore title. I'm talking a good hardcore match. The last one that comes to mind for me was Edge versus Mick Foley. There was fire. There's the table. There's the spear. That was a good image. I feel like John Moxley wanted to do that with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Never got to. So now we got John Moxley giving that match to us against Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page getting put over by John Moxley. You notice the theme continues tonight. That's interesting. AEW Originals getting a lot of time and the veterans giving them a lot of nods going into this New Year revolution. Could that be the theme that we see all year long from our champion down? Also, um, What's next for both of these guys here? John Moxley, I could see possibly going, maybe tag teaming with a Daniel Bryan 
make a run for the tag team titles as the Blackpool Combat Club. I like that. Uh, Hangman, Adam Page. Is it the world title? MJF? There's a lot of that, and MJF talked a little bit about it, along with other things, in that post-media scrum. Let's move on. All right, we had Samoa Joe versus Wardlow. This match, for a lot of people, it felt like it just died down. And I think you were coming out of that Texas death match, right? And it was like the bathroom break for some people. Um, we got a story with Wardlow getting his hair cut. Ultimately, this was the TNT title on the line. And so Samoa Joe and Wardlow... Uh, kind of a quicker one. It didn't really do too much for me, really. Um, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't amazing either. It's kind of forgettable. Um, Warlow regains his title that he only lost a few weeks ago, so kind of do this back and forth passing. And, you know, this is uh, basically Samoa Joe, the veteran, again, putting over the AEW original. I'm just kind of keep pointing that out all night long, guys. So uh, Wardlow, again is the new TNT champion, two-time now. And Wardlow, I, my question is, when we first got him, I had some Batista-like vibes for him with MJF as his bodyguard. And he decisively beat MJF less than a year ago, very dominantly, pinned him in the opening match double or nothing. With multiple, multiple, it was just a squash. Wardlow's cooled off a lot. I feel like that's by design. And I feel like they need to just kind of keep him floated a little bit. Or distracted with good feuds. And eventually I do see Wardlow possibly being the guy that dethrones MJF. I will be honest with you guys, that's not going to happen anytime soon. I like Wardlow. Cleveland, Ohio native. Um, I like Samoa Joe, right? But this match, I don't know, just, the two didn't seem to gel for me in this one. But, um... You know, let me know what you guys think. I mean, I just feel like it was the low light of the night. And, you know, that I guess that says something because it was a pretty good card overall. All right, guys. Um, I just want to say real quick, thank you for, you know, everything you guys do for me. Um, even just listening or commenting below or even liking this, right? It just helps me out so much. Um, shout out to my my, my stable mates over there at fansofprowrestling.com. You know, of course, always I mention all the time. Um... You know, also uh, Carlos, my tag title buddy, and then John and his brother Will and Heather um, do a really good job on Sundays, kind of talking and recapping the weeks. So again, appreciate being a fan or a part of the fans of ProWrestling.com um, here on Tap Out Talk. So let's go ahead and move on. All right, we got the AEW World Tag Team Championships: Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. We got the Guns, the Ass Boys. We got the acclaimed, and we got Orange Cassidy and Dan Hausen, right? So, if this one, um, I was gonna say it was served its purpose as a pre-cooldown match for the main event, where we knew we had to stand for an hour. Dan Hausen's over, Orange Cassidy's over. Those are some fan favorites, right? I can't get on with the Dan Hausen thing. I've, I've, I've tried. I see. I get it. Um, I, I, maybe I'm just approaching him wrong, right? I know you guys that love him, you love him. I like Orange Cassidy. He's fun. He's entertaining. And, you know, a lot of people, when you guys look at people like that, you say, oh, well, he's not a world champion material. You know what? Wrestling needs mid-carters. You need good, solid mid-carters. And that's what you got with Orange Cassidy. 
So, in this matchup, we did get the Guns retaining their Tag Team Championships, right? Um, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, some people, I was thinking maybe the Acclaimed could get their titles back in this one. I didn't think Dan Housen and uh, Orange Cassidy were winning anything. And at this point, um, you know, we look at, we see the Guns basically steal the win and they retain their titles tonight, right? Um, you know, Jeff Jarrett was there serving that kind of veteran role with Jay Lethal. But, you know, it's kind of hard because um, I, I think it's probably right to have the guns retain. I'm surprised we didn't get anything with Daddy S. Um, I thought he was going to be a little bit more involved in maybe a turn, a heel turn, um, or turning and joining his boys again. But I think maybe that's in the future. So, again... AEW champions, the guns. I don't want to spend too much crazy time on this because you know what, guys? It's almost time for the main event. And what a main event we have. We have Daniel Bryan coming out first. It's going to be the 60-minute Iron Man match. The American Dragon versus MJF. MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. One of the best wrestlers in the main event today. He can talk, he can wrestle, and he proved it tonight. MJF's the man, guys. His post-conference scrum was entertaining as all get out. I couldn't stop watching. Even non-wrestling fans were enjoying it. But let's get into the match. And let's talk a little bit about what's going on on this one. Alright, so. One hour, 60 minutes. Iron Man match. And you can't help but compare this match to previous Iron Man matches. What comes to mind? Well, you got Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle from SmackDown many years ago. You've got The Rock versus Triple H, I believe, at Judgment Day many years ago. And if you want to dig a little deeper, yeah, you got the granddaddy of them all at WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels versus Bret the Hitman Hart in the main event of WrestleMania 12. One of the greatest matches of all time. Could this match live up to that hype? Could this match live up to what was done by Brian Danielson's mentor, Shawn Michaels? Well, yeah, we're going to find out. We did find out. It does. This is going to be the argument for centuries to come. Daniel Bryan and MJF, or is it going to be... Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart. That's your LeBron James, Michael Jordan debate that people talk about in the barbershops all the time. I'm here to tell you that this match delivered. This match was the single reason to watch this pay-per-view. It reminded me of an old school boxing match or an MM, uh, UFC match where the main event is the main event. The undercard's just there to kind of get everybody going and entertain them. But this match was the reason you bought this show and this was the match and the reason that you wanted to watch my dream match was always Daniel Bryan 
versus CM Punk in an Iron Man match at WrestleMania. And that got stolen from me many years ago. I thought it was going to happen in AEW. I said it should happen in AEW. And guess what? It got stolen again this last year. But you know, I feel like we got something even better. We got MJF as world champion. And notice the theme here. Getting put over by Brian Danielson, the veteran. Yeah, you said it right. From top to bottom of this card, the young guys are taking over. And MJF is the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme, and he is ahead of all of that. So we get a lot. I'm not going to break down every single move in this match. It's an hour, guys, and I want to keep this straight to my points. But I will say we get MJF coming out with like a uh, quartet of violins, kind of cool, with a devil mask, with his, you know, Burberry-branded championship. I mean, he just looks like a champion now. I think he's hit the gym a lot, too, because he's starting to get a lot of build on him. I'm going to get to see him hopefully in a couple weeks here when I go down to um, one of the house shows that's coming up. I'll give you guys some updates on that. So here we hear basically the fans are just going nuts for this, right? And this match had a great blend, and it's something I didn't think of when we were going to watch this match. It had Daniel Bryan, sorry, Bryan Danielson, who can go. He can go an hour. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And then you got MJF, a good wrestler, but also a very good heel entertainer. And that blended balance made a perfect meal. We ate it up. Um, things that he does, and it, MJF is very good at being a heel in the modern era. You know how many guys are scared to be real heels in this era? They're scared. They're scared to commit because guess what? You got everybody video recording where you're at, tweeting that you're at the airport, what hotel you're staying at. And some people are crazy. And they're going to just follow these guys around and show them. And they still are going to think that this is so real that it's a personal attack on them they're going to come at them. A lot of guys don't have the guts that MJF has to be a modern day heel and say, screw it, I'm going to be about it. That's why he's special. He plays it. 24-7. He gets his parents in the act. Remember all that? But I want you guys to think about this as a champion, okay? Um, it ends up being 3-3. Three three. MJF does some great heel tactics with, you know, taking um, a disqualification to get a super advantage, knowing he would go down a, a, a score. He grabs a bottled water, a water, a drink from uh, a mom in a crowd and dumps it on her kid. There's a brilliant point with you know Dave Meltzer's five-star match uh, rating match, he looks at Cameron and says, when he slows down the pace, he goes, "Sorry, Dave." He goes, "Is this gonna cost me a star?" Love that. That was hilarious. Amazing. Um, I'll be interested to see what Dave rates this match now. He's kind of backed in the corner there, but ultimately, I respect his opinion. I mean, but ultimately, we have, you know, this blended balance between the wrestler. And the entertainer in a sense and these guys just knocked it out of the park um mjf he's been marinating for a long time in aew okay chris jericho it always starts with chris he polished him up like i said in the beginning of the program tonight he polished him up there was already so much talent there and he just kind of 
fine-tuned the little things, and MJF took a next level. Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley. MJF has beaten him as well. So Chris Jericho, John Moxley, CM Punk in that year-long program. One of the best in the world. Probably MJF's greatest rivalry for now. And then you have Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. The American Dragon versus the Devil. So Bryan Danielson has, you know, he put him over. Somebody, for fun, add up all those championships of guys that he beat that are ex-WWE main eventers. Three out of the four of those guys main evented WrestleMania. Right? And I'm not talking the double night main event, whatever, two main, the, the actual last match on the card main event. Okay? So, what I want to really point out here is how many championships is that that MJF has beaten in his tenure in AEW. Give all those titles to him. You want to call Kenny Omega, Kenny the Collector. Man, MJF's right there. Collecting legacies. This match went into overtime, three on three. This is where we got Tony Schiavone uh, kind of commenting that he spoke to Tony Khan and that it will not end on a tie or a draw. And so, you know, they continue on and eventually MJF gets the better of Brian Danielson. And so it's interesting because uh, I like that whole Tony Shabani spot representing the boss in the back, you know. Um, I think that was kind of good. Maybe he needs to do that a little more for him. But guys, four to three in sudden death. MJF's the champ, and he's the it's basically in my opinion, tonight was a great main event. This was a great match. I, I wanna go, I wanna see it again. I wanna like just watch it and watch it and break it down. I actually wanna watch. The original Iron Man match from WrestleMania 12 with Brett and Sean, and then compare it to this. I'm still a little excited about this one. I want to get to the final thoughts. Alright, so, final thoughts. Iron Man matches are amazing. They tell a special, unique story. And the story for this one was only in the ring. This one actually put over MJF's legacy as the future. And No, he's not the future, he's the now of this AEW business. It's the right move. That belt has no business coming off MJF for a very long time. You keep it on him and you build the company around him. Let him do his thing. Um, with that being said, AEW did a lot tonight to put over its younger stars. As I mentioned throughout the program, and I feel like where's this paradigm shift, so to speak, well, John Moxley aspect, but they did paradigm shift over to the new guys. And final, final thought. This is the best AEW Revolution pay-per-view that the company has put on in the last, since its existence. Go back and look at that. You got Jericho Moxley. You got Omega Moxley. And last year you had Adam Page and Adam Cole. Yeah, guys, this one beats everything. This one is the best AEW Revolution pay-per-view. And I felt like it was well-paced, it didn't overstay its welcome, and it definitely hit on all the angles that we needed it to hit on. Let me ask you guys this too. Did you notice what wrestlers are missing from tonight? And did you miss them? Guys like, oh, okay, Jade Cargill. Maybe not, maybe didn't miss her. But, Darby Allen, Sting, Brian Cage, 
know some of you miss Brian Cage. <laughs> uh, but if I think about it, like, there was a lot of talent missing from this card. But it didn't feel like it. And that's the great thing about AEW is they can keep their product fresh. Even when they alternate every other week on AEW Dynamite, right? And they ship these guys around. It's constantly fresh. This it reminds me of kind of what they used to do with AEW, or NXT Black and Gold back in the day. Anyway, those are my final thoughts and results on AEW Revolution. Let me know what you guys think. Connect with me on Twitter at TheBrianAdkins. But at the end of the day, we're going to go ahead and continue on. And then I want to say thank you for watching. And it's not goodbye. It's not see you later. It's game over.